Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the film Pig. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for this film? Sure. A truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. Wow. Actually, the IMDb summary (laughs) reveals more than I expected to. Right? I did not read the IMDb summary before watching this movie, and I'm glad I didn't. Because I wouldn't, it was more exciting to not know all those things beforehand. Yeah, this is one of those films that you should go into blind. You should know zero things about this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, for real. Just know the title and know Nicolas Cage is (laughs) an old bearded man with a pig. (laughs) That's all you need. (laughs) I definitely had uh, guesses about what this film might be about uh, before going into it, knowing nothing. I was painting on the white canvas, which I shouldn't be doing, but I was painting. And I thought this was, well, let's not go into that yet. I guess if you haven't seen Pig, just pause right here. We're only a minute in, but pause, watch the film and come back. As Sarah mentioned, go in with a truly, truly white canvas because we're going to talk about lots of things that happen and this movie is just so good to be um, going in blind with. All right. Well, let's start off with our one-sentence summary before we actually dive into some of the parts of the film. How about that? Okay, I'm so pleased that we did a spoiler before our one-sentence summaries because I came up with a one-sentence summary and I was so excited about it. And then I realized that there was a spoiler in my one-sentence summary. And I was like, ah, crap. So then I had to come up with another one, which is okay. But I'm not as pleased with it as my original. So now I can go with the original. Summary. This is excellent. Wow. Our minds are just in the same wavelengths. For some reason, this is great. Love it. So my sentence summary is, it's Schrodinger's pig. (laughs) I kept waiting for more, but this is so good. That's it. it. Three words. That's all we need. Oh, well done. Well done. I think this is one of your finest. Oh, Truly. thanks. I was so proud of it when I ca- when it came to me. Because when Nicolas Cage was like, he's talking about, man, if I hadn't come here, I could have imagined that she was alive. And I yelled at my screen, it's oh. Schrodinger's pig! <laughs> oh. Yes. Man, I wish I would have been there for that moment. So that, <laughs> that really emotional moment of this movie where you were yelling at your screen, this three-word sentence. Yep. Wonderful. Yep. <laughs> Well played. I mean, this is one of your finest, truly. So <laughs> I want to give a, a full moment for it. Um, I had trouble coming up with a summary, mostly because I had too many thoughts in my brain after watching this movie. But this is what I came up with. No matter what age, all humans are the same in this way. When life gets scary, we need our stuffed animals or our pigs for comfort, safety, and a safe haven to cope. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> Yes. We went very different directions with our summaries, we but I sure did. I'm pleased. Yeah, <laughs> That's good. I I think we should be proud of this little combo of summaries. Yeah, I think so. I think I used about like ten times the number of words <laughs> as yours did. So this is up there with the three set three word summaries from you, Sarah. 
There's mm-hmm. one. There's another one uh, from The Irishman that is forever yep. with me till the grave, which is Pesci is back. That was a great <laughs> one too. So here you are back. Yep. I'm just. <laughs> I, I always have it in my, my mind, even though I know that it's not the full goal, but I just try and get it as short as possible. And I, I haven't been able to crack that three-word sentence barrier, but this was the so week. far, you know? Good one. Well done. Meanwhile, I'm usually figuring out how to get what I want to say into a sentence. Mm-hmm. So mine, ori- my original summary was two sentences, and I used a colon to make it one, so I <laughs> Played by the rules, you know. (laughs) But you always use so many descriptive adjectives, which is very helpful. You use great vocabulary in your summaries. So I'm going straight for brevity and you are going (laughs) for deep meaning. And it's great. (laughs) We get the full spectrum covered. We do. Okay. So before we actually dive into this film, I'm curious if you went in with any thoughts about this film. I knew nothing about this movie. So it's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime. And so like when you click on Prime, then you get the IMDb description on Uh, there. So like I read the IMDb description before I clicked on it. And I was like, oh, oh, this movie is going to be different than I thought it was going to be. I'm so excited. (laughs) And then just went in. So I knew nothing. I hadn't seen the trailer. All I knew was grungy Nick Cage in this movie called Pig. That's literally all I knew. Which grungy Nick Cage is intriguing enough, you know? Like, just see see the man do it. Nick Cage is just an odd human person. And you never know what you're going to get from him. And I just like to be surprised. We got some great things from him this time. The man has done it. Phenomenal. Yeah. I thought this movie, all I knew about this movie was it was a cage with a pig in the wilderness. So I thought there was going to be something around loneliness, some castaway moment, like this pig is his Wilson. This is not the movie that I expected it to be. So with that, I'm curious your thoughts about Pig. I loved it. I just, ugh, yes. This was great for me. Um, I it was just beautifully shot. Obviously, the um, the characters were so interesting to me, and I think some of the situations that they find themselves in were very, very fascinating. Nick Cage gives a great performance. Oh my gosh, he doesn't just play like off the walls crazy person. He can play a character with incredible depth, and I was blown away by him. Um, I think a lot of the themes in this film are super interesting and worth exploring. So just all around, I had a wonderful time with this film. And it was only an hour and 30 minutes, which I just love yeah. that they could, like, you know, make this whole big story with all of these things so compact. So I, I had a great time. Loved it. Good job, Pig. I absolutely adored this film, too. I, I before watching this movie, had a feeling. You know, just like a spidey sense. It doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to it. But I just had a feeling that this was going to be a great film. I'd heard some good things Mm -hmm. about it. And the way that the movie poster is, it's just – it seems like the movie is going to dive into something deep. And and it really delivers on it. And I feel like – 
we, you know, we've been through the summer blockbusters. We've seen a lot of great films, but this film is just so different from a lot of what we've seen lately in the past couple of weeks. It is slow and contemplative, very philosophical in so many scenes. Like I think of each of the sequences as uh, these small sub sub theses and points that are building to this larger theme that the set of themes that the film is really looking to communicate and explore. Um, this the script. I mean, the screenwriting in this film is incredible. It's very much a character study, but there's so much that the film is keeping you engaged with because this person and who he is now and who Rob was in the past is slowly being revealed bit by bit, layer by layer. And we aren't given the full context at any moment. I mean, I would argue that even by the end of the film, we do not have the full picture. Mm-hmm. And we are constantly looking to try and understand a little bit more about who this person is. How did he become the way he is now? And the filmmaking is so smart in that way and keeping us engaged with this very non-plot driven, very slow moving piece of work. And I just, I feel like there's so much that we can dive into. I'm actually really excited that we get to talk about this film because I think this film falls into those categories of movies where what we each take away might be so different and it's all somewhat part of the landscape of this movie. But um, there's so much that each of us might resonate with that's different. And this movie includes all those pieces. It's not a clear cut, like, here's the message I'm trying to convey type of movie. And those are the most fun. So I'm excited to dive into like what pieces really resonated with you and um, how the movie communicated this to you. Mm-hmm. I think this is, there There are layers to this film for sure. And I, I love that each character also has layers. Like I don't feel like any of them really fit into this like stereotypical role. Um, I mean, we spend the most time with Rob, but even Amir and Darius are, there's way more there than meets the eye. And I think that's just fun that they were, they were willing to put so much into these characters. So like you would expect you know, Rob to be this like gruff, like wilderness man, which he very much is. But, you know, as you peel back these layers of this character, he's also artistic and kind and empathetic. And he sees people in such a interesting way. And I was just constantly blown away by the fact that they had created this character that seems just so real, but also so different than what we've seen before. He was just such an interesting mix that we don't often get, especially in your male protagonist. That is so true. And I think for about 75% of the movie, we don't really understand who Rob is at all. And we see these people that he, him and Amir come across or are looking for a meeting and the conversations that they have. And there's these hazy bits and details of his past life and who he is now and what his name means and has meant in the past that are slowly being uncovered. But at every one of those sequences, there's more information that we know. And yet there's that 
information that we collect complicates the picture of who we thought this man mm-hmm. was, yeah. which is really fascinating. I mean, and it did a great job of like subverting our previous understanding of him by kind of redefining him every new person that he meets. Um, you know, the in the I would say around like the one third mark, we see this like underground world that Edgar runs and that Rob was a part of, which now having seen the film, I'm guessing was part of the time where he was in a dark place uh, post his wife's death. And like, this was the place that he kind of released a lot of that. Um, And there's this danger to him that we see right after that sequence. And then we move on to the next scene with him talking to, I believe his name was Derek, the chef at this like super bougie uh, hip restaurant in town. And there's this totally different side of him that we see. And all of those pieces are so fascinating to put together because they seem um, to change the person that we thought we knew beforehand. And I feel like meeting new people in real life is a lot like this in, in some ways, especially the like interesting characters that we sometimes get to um, meet and come across where the pieces don't always make sense at the beginning. And it's fascinating to see how multifaceted and slowly peel back the layers of this onion this person that we're trying desperately to understand for honestly most of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the way that, that those little breadcrumbs are, are sprinkled so intentionally, like, you know, even in the first few minutes before the the pig is kidnapped, like we see mm-hmm. Rob, even like the way that he cooks, like there's such intention there. So you know that this isn't just like some random mountain man, like he has a, a story. And then obviously with like the cassette tape and all of that, like every time we learn something new, there's also those little breadcrumbs of, oh, but there's still more mystery here. And I love that we don't ever fully figure him out. And that's it. Yeah. It would have been easy for it, the ending to almost be unsatisfying because we haven't fully solved the mystery of who this guy is. But it just feels so right that we learned enough about him as we went through this process. And, you know, who he basically becomes after this is up to him. And it's just really satisfying to leave it there because it, it does feel like a, a real relationship with somebody. Like when you kind of part ways, it's like, oh, well, I figured out as much as I could. And then our paths mm-hmm. went in a different direction and it is what it is. Yeah, that's so true. He's so specific in a lot of ways. And yet there's enough that's um, undefined that I think allows us to also really relate to him and see parts Mm -hmm. of ourselves in him, which is really fascinating. Um, I think about that quote that you said on some episodes, sometime, somewhere, I don't remember which one exactly, but you were saying that a character didn't feel full enough because they weren't specific. Oh, it was Beckett. And that the protagonist was so undefined that it was just hard to engage with. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this character's case and Rob's case, there are parts of him that are so specific. So we feel like we know him, but his grief and his, um, you know, journey to slowly accepting just a little bit more of the loss that he's experienced with losing his wife, like that is so universal that we can relate to him so much. The same way that we can relate to Amir and Darius because there's parts of him that we really see ourselves in them which is really cool. 
Mm-hmm. And I just love that this this undercurrent of grief and loss that unites these three guys, mm-hmm. even though like they're so different from each other. And Darius is just a jerk and we don't like him at all. But in, even in that moment, like when Rob decides, hey, I'm going to cook him this meal that brought him and his wife together. I'm going to do that. And so like it makes you love Rob even more, but it also gives you more empathy for Darius, which is just so interesting. It would have been so easy, especially because they set up Darius to just be like this evil dude who treats Amir badly and has kept his wife on a respirator, even though she's like comatose. Like he's not a great guy. But I just love that we're able to enter into that loss and discover empathy for this character that really could have been a villain, but instead even he is so, so human. It's it's really impressive what they were able to do with these characters, given like we only spend a few minutes with Darius, and I feel like I know him really, really well, and I don't know how they did that, but it was phenomenal. It's the way that this film is efficient is mm-hmm. insane. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's so true. And what I love about those three characters is that they each are dealing with this loss in their life or this this trauma in their life in such different ways. And yeah. their coping mechanisms are different. You know, like in Darius's case, he's thrown himself into his work and this like feeling of control that he has over his career and the power that he can wield, you know, that scene and that conversation that he has with Rob around like, I own all of those people. Um, It's his like helplessness that is like leading him to cling so much to the sense of power and control that is really also an illusion. Um, And he's, and he's like kind of closed off his entire heart to, true relationship with other people and including with his son, Amir is still kind of in the phase of denial. You know, when he is first talking to Rob and they're having breakfast in the morning and he says his mother killed himself. Like this is the narrative that he Mm -hmm. has told himself and spun to make it possible to swallow that hard pill to swallow. And obviously we see the way that Rob has dealt with this for the past, what we're assuming to be at least 10 years or so. Um, they all are coping with this grief in such different ways, but there's that beautiful scene that you referenced where he cooks the meal and they're all standing in Darius's study. And you can just, you feel the way that they are connected by this shared suffering, but they are connected and they've finally like opened their hearts enough to let that all hang out there and be seen. Um, And that really feels like one of the climactic moments of this movie that really doesn't have a clear um, sense of plot. Like there's progress, but there's not plot that's all building to each other in the way that we typically get in a traditional film structure. And it's it's kind of the climax of this emotional plot that we're going on with these these characters. And how unusual is it that we have a film about three men and it's all about grief and loss and emotion. Like that yeah. is so rare. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. my gosh. But also just so necessary. And I think like we're just bad 
at grieving just as a culture, as Americans, as Westerners, like we're just bad at it. But I love that something like this can exist because it shows the the unity that can happen in grief, the empathy that can come from loss. And that doesn't make a loss or like trauma or grief any easier to get through. But I really love that this this movie was so focused on the beauty and the companionship that can be found even in those difficult moments because we're so bad at grieving. And usually we just like suppress it like, I don't know, Darius or Amir would do. So I just, what an unusual film and a daring Mm -hmm. premise for these three men to be journeying through grief on screen with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, which is, I think why, it's so effective when really the last big scene that we get in this movie is between um, Rob and Amir and their conversation at the diner. And that scene where you yelled at your TV, starting <laughs> your yep. pig, because like really that, that, that line that Amir says at the diner to Rob which when Rob says, if I didn't go looking for her, I would still think she's alive, which is talking about the pig. And really for the whole movie, the pig is just this like placeholder for his wife and the loss that he's experienced there. And Amir says, but she wouldn't be. And it's this moment for them both as they've gone through all these like adventures together throughout Portland and meeting all these people. This is like the moment for them to take one step closer towards accepting and coming to terms with the truth and and slowly beginning to heal together. And there was just such, as we talked about, that moment of connection that they have together at the diner. And they go their separate ways afterwards, but they've, they've both grown just a little bit. And it's I love, too, that it's not this big, explosive, uh, cheesy ending that we usually get in films that are mm-hmm. about something like this, which is there's this big moment of reckoning and this moment of acceptance and now they're better for it and they're moving on with their lives. Like, no, this is a, honestly, probably like a tiny step along this larger journey that we just won't see as the viewers. But isn't that so true to real life in how we process through grief and trauma and hard things is it's really these little tiny steps along the way. And we just get to be along the journey for this like one leg of their journey uh, with them. And I love that they didn't make it this big thing. I mean, this film is so um, connected to the way that humans experience emotions in in really incredible ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just such a human film. My goodness. And I, I love that they, they killed off the pig, basically, because <laughs> I... I, my little heart was mm. so broken because I was very attached to that pig. But like, <laughs> as I was watching, I was like, there is no way that this pig is going to be able to be alive. You mm. know, like there was just no mm. way to end this film with her still being alive because then it would have been too cheesy, you know, right off into the sunset. Everything's great. Problem solved. And instead, like we get this really deep, meaningful film out of it. And it's just my goodness, I, these quiet, contemplative human films are just the best. Like, can we have more of these, please? So true. I was thinking a lot about Columbus. Yeah. And 
before I finish that train of thought, I think you should pop off on the first two minutes of this movie because that's when I was like, <laughs> ooh, I get why Sarah loved these two minutes. And this was reminding me so much of the stillness and quietness of Columbus. And I want to give you your moment to pop off. <laughs> okay, so in the first 30 seconds of the film, my the words that came out of my mouth were, ooh, yeah, I'm here for this shit. Like. <laughs> Yes. Starting in the woods with a still shot, a silent shot of this guy just doing whatever the hell he was doing in the middle of the woods. And it's just quiet and still. And I'm like, yes. Oh, my gosh. Drop me in the um, in the middle of Oregon in the forest, please. This is excellent. This is just where I want to be. And then we see the little pig. And so I don't know that we've ever talked about this, Jen, but as a kid, all I wanted, we had a bunch of animals, but all I wanted was a pig and not like a little teacup wow. pig. Like I wanted an actual pig like is in this movie. She was so cute. And I just, I just love her and I wanted to be best friends with her. Yes, absolutely. So you can these understand. These are details of real life that I did not, these are important details, Sarah. What else are you keeping from me? I don't know. We have to watch more movies and then I'll be triggered of a weird thing that Sarah wanted as a child. So I was just, I had so much empathy built up for this little pig and <laughs> I, it was great. So one of the questions that I had while watching, like obviously wanted pigs as a child. And so I was very, very <laughs> upset when this pig was taken Partially because of the movie, but just partially because of who I am as a person. So were you, like, how did you react when she was stolen and that horribly traumatic moment? Was that, like, really jarring for you or was it just me because I wanted a pig? <laughs> it was awful to hear the squeals. Like, that was rough. Mm -hmm. And the movie yeah. did a great job of making that traumatizing. So good job, movie. Um, my thought was honestly like, oh, this is not the movie that I expected this to be. It's only, we're about like, what, 10 minutes in and this pig is gone. Like I thought this movie was going to be about <laughs> Nicolas Cage with the pig. Uh, the pig is no longer here. So now I don't know what this movie is going to be about. So that was my train of thought when the pig was stolen is, oh, okay, where are we going to go next? So I, yes, I was not next. I was not thinking about the pig's well-being, but I'm glad you were. Glad in the <laughs> I was world. very concerned. I'm worried about the pig. I was, I was really a invested in this pig. <laughs> Are you I, and I uh, just, Nicolas Cage here? Yes. I was also yeah. distraught, Nick Cage. You weren't the only one, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was very upset. But I was also just impressed because for the mm. first few minutes of the film, before she's taken, it's largely quiet. And then, like, when she's taken, it goes from, like, very, very yeah. quiet to this, like, yeah. loud explosion of noise. And I was, yeah. so, like, just everything about that, I think, from, like, a filmmaking perspective was effective to kind of, like, jerk you out of this, like, peaceful, serene mountain experience into, like, oh, my gosh, the pig is gone. I'm traumatized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. It, it picks up real fast. And what's also interesting that I, I don't think I realized while watching the film, but I was thinking about afterwards, is even though uh, Nicolas Cage's character, Rob, is 
you know, his companion is pig. And at the beginning of the film, we see him in the wilderness and like, really he is, he has completely isolated himself and, uh, withdrawn from society, uh, at which we later learn is because of the death of his wife and all of, all of that. But it, it paints that the life that he has there in such a beautiful light that it's this really interesting tension that's at play, which is here's a man who, because of his grief that has not been processed through fully, has completely withdrawn from society. But they've painted his life there so beautifully. And there's there's this like peace and this inner stillness that is also a part of that life there. And when Amir comes rolling in with this like bright yellow car which is just visually genius I mean we're in this like beautiful mm-hmm. forest yeah. and we're sitting with it as a viewer for a full like five ten minutes and here's a mirror with this like loud obnoxious bright yellow car rolling through like that was great filming like, filmmaking um but it paints this really interesting uh tension between the way that we see the wilderness and the stillness and the peace that is found there. And then the scenes that happen when we are in the city. And it's this huge contrast that the film is painting. And I feel like there's a lot there to unpack. And I don't think that I fully unpacked what all that means and what the film is trying to maybe communicate through that. But there was, there, I felt that contrast so distinctly, especially when we, are driving through the city at night and we see Nick Cage like staring out the window and, and like the lights of the city are kind of uh, blinding and the angular features of the buildings and they're all kind of like melding together in this montage. Um, he really is going from this, this peaceful place to this raucous um, environment. And I feel like there's, that's somehow connected to him revisiting his past life in some way. And what this film is trying to say about, um, you know, like the city and capitalism and Amir and what he represents and the yellow car in contrast with all that was organic and still and quiet in the wilderness. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And I I also just love, like, imagine if you were Nick Cage's character and like you had been out <laughs> in the wilderness yeah, for like 10 10 years. years. I mean, I personally wouldn't have made it, but you know, if I had been out in the wilderness for 10 years, like re-entering the city, just like how jarring that would be. Mm -hmm. And you can even hear, you know, the first time he talks with Amir, you can hear it in his voice. Like, whoa, he doesn't talk very Mm -hmm. often because I mean, he can talk to the pig, but that's it. So even going through the film you can hear him like regain his voice and like regain how to talk to people again too that it's just one of those little subtle things that really gets us into this character and really understanding the magnitude of what he's doing after being away for a decade Mm -hmm. yeah that first scene when he uh walks into the diner that's i guess the closest to his um home in the forest and he really has to project and it's it's as if it's he's not done that for for years and um even i mean that's a perfect moment of the script being so smart because he asked for marge and the 
the lady at the counter says Marge hasn't been here for 10 years and we immediately gain information but we also have a whole slew of questions that follow afterwards that keeps us so engaged and that's just like one of the moments where I was like oh this film knows what it's doing and it's so intelligent and how it's communicating it to us because that scene happens I think what 15 minutes in Mm -hmm. it's very early on so good yeah yeah, and it's it's just that starting of that unraveling of this character. And that's, I don't know, that's that point when you realize, oh, this isn't about a dude trying to get his pig back. This is going to be about something a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's, I, I feel like the arc of this movie is really Rob and Amir's journey um, mm-hmm. emotionally. Like their yep. internal state is the arc of the movie because – Honestly, the sequence of events and the people that they talk to along the way to try and get the pig back, it's all just um, vehicles for communicating their inner state. Like, it's not really about the pig, ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Even though she's cute. It's (laughs) not about you. Sarah's invested in the pig, so. I was really invested in her. (laughs) She was adorable. And I just, ah, yes, I would be happy to have a pig best friend. Come on, this is great. It has its little bed by his by his bed. Yeah. And she was so good. She would come when he said come. Like she was very well trained. <laughs> Got to see her wag her little tail at one point. She was adorable. Oh man. <laughs> <Just> so funny. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird thing to be so focused on, but I just love that little pig. But it's okay. It wasn't about her. It was all about Nick Cage. That's okay. He did a great job, too. He did well. He did well. But the pig, the few moments the pig was on screen, really stole the hearts of the yeah. audience, huh? Yep. She she sure did. Especially the ones that wanted a pig. <laughs> Which is probably a very, 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 very small subset of the audience. Like, I'm not sure who else as a child wanted a pig as a pet. I feel like that's nope. rare. So I've never heard of this. But... I mean, to the other weirdos who wanted a pig as a child, you'd probably love this movie. <laughs> what did you read? Like, what was that children's book, Charlotte's Web, with the little pig on it? Yeah, I mean, I wanted a pig before I read that book. <laughs> I don't know where the it was an OG where the thought came y'all. from, but <laughs> it just I wanted a pig. Oh man, I don't know why. So funny. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it just it is what it is. Let's talk about the tape. Okay. The tape yeah. is the MVP character of this movie. Uh, second tape. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, gi- I'll give you that. <laughs> One of the MVP characters. <laughs> there you go. Movie. They can be tied. Tied. They can be tied. Um, One, it's highly effective from the very first scene where we see him play five seconds of it and he cannot stand to continue to play it because it hurts too much. Immediately... We, we have so much empathy for this character that we know nothing about, that we have we don't understand at all. We honestly haven't seen him that much. It's been three minutes. Uh, but immediately that builds so much connection between the viewer and Rob. And it's so efficient, you know? Like a 10-second few, few moments of that scene where he, he attempts to play uh, the tape and can't do it. And the way that that also bookends the film and we see him return back to his mm-hmm. home and is able to fully play that clip is this like 
audible and visual symbol of the progress that this character has made over the course of the 90 minute journey that we've been with him on. And I mean, it's just such a perfect show, don't tell device that the film uses. Again, I mean, there's like a million moments that I'm sure we'll reference this episode about how smart and efficient this film is, but this is another example um, that tape does so much to convey the meaning of the movie and also to really connect us with the character at the beginning. And I loved it. I loved how intelligent that is. And it does all that while also creating more mystery because the name on the tape is Robin. And we don't know that that's Nick Cage's character's name. Yeah. And so, and and Robin can be a man's name or a Mm -hmm. woman's name. Mm -hmm. So I was like, is this the, is the chick's name Robin who's on the tape? Like, you know, so it's this, it's almost this misdirect of this mystery of who is Robin and why is Robin's name on this tape, you know? So I just Mm -hmm. love that it, it has so much meaning in a little cassette tape. It's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I think the shot that we see used from a filmmaking perspective is, is very close um, to each other that it uses in that first scene and at that final scene. Like we see that cassette player from the right and it's very up close and we see him play it. And then there's a slow moving shot at the final scene of him putting his, taking his shoes off and settling back in. But just the way that that bookends the film, I think it's just highly effective. If you didn't get the meaning of this film yet, like you've gotten it by this point, you know, like just in case we're going to, we're going to make sure you get the cherry on top to really hammer this home and bring it home. And even in that like emphasis, it didn't feel like overly explaining anything, but it really did feel like this cathartic moment of release. And so I just, I love that it's a, it is that cherry on top, but sometimes I feel like films, when they try and do that to like, okay, I'm going to make it real clear what I'm saying, they overdo <laughs> it. And I'm like, ah, oh, why'd you got to ruin jar it? of cherries on there. <laughs> you know, like, so it's like, uh, yeah. what was it? Pieces of a woman. You know, it was beautiful oh, and brilliant gosh. up until that last like 30 seconds. And that ruined it because it was too so much. Gross. They did too much. But yeah. this one, man, in Pig, they were able to really emphasize it, really hit it home. And it didn't feel like too much, which is phenomenal. I just, again, this script is astounding. They did a great job with the screenplay. Good job, guys. Can yeah. we have more movies like this? It's incredible. And they let the song, well, the, the tape, and the song is playing on the tape that ro- that his wife is Lori singing, play into the ending credits, mm-hmm. which was just so highly effective. You know, like I, I think about the ending of Portrait of a, Lady on, of a Lady on Fire, where we sit in those emotions for so much longer than we are prepared to. And I, I rarely, confession, watch the ending credits to the end maybe in a Marvel movie, I definitely do that. But this one, like I just sat in that and heard her voice. And it was this moment of like connection that we have with Robin, um, who is 
also likely in his sitting on his bed, like just soaking in her voice of this person that he loved who is no longer here. And we got to do that with him. And even that little detail, I just think was so, so highly effective. They didn't fade it out and fade into some other like ending credit thing. No, they kept that there. And what's also really interesting is that once the song ended, you could hear the tape finish and click. And then you just heard the crickets and the sound of the forest for a few moments longer. And then the film finally does end after the the credits are finished rolling. But even that little bit of crickets at the end, like they really let you soak in it and sit with Rob in those final moments, even when the, you no longer can see him. Um, and just that those little details were so, so sweet to add in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one that you couldn't like rush away from. You really had to sit with this for a second. But my my question that I had, like, as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Well done. Excellent. Like all the things. But I was also asking myself, why would this song remind her of him? <laughs> I was just, I was listening to yeah. the words and going, I, had the I don't, the lyrics. I, I don't understand how, how this correlates. <laughs> nope. Which again, to your point, adds this layer of mystery. Like we it don't does. know. It like does. we, there's still so much about him and Lori and yeah. their life together and his previous life that honestly, by the end of the movie, we don't know what his previous life was like at all. And the film's kind of like, that's not the point. Like, that's irrelevant. You don't need to know the details because we know nothing about who he was as a chef and their their life together or anything by the end. We know none of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I love those little, again, it's those little breadcrumbs. Like when he's in yeah. um, that that bakery and which I guess used to be his restaurant. And he makes the comment of, you took down the curtains. And she's like, yeah, that's what Lori always wanted. Yes. And he, he says, oh, this is better. And I just, I love that like admission of like, man, I was wrong and I fought her on this stupid, because like you can imagine, yeah. you know, couples fight over this stuff. And I'm sure that that was the source of so many arguments over time. And the fact that he can see like, man, she was right. But also for the baker to honor Lori in that way, this character who yeah. we don't know and we never see, but we can see the effect that she had on everybody. It's ugh, it's brilliant. Right. Yes. It makes Lori real to us as the viewers too. Like we feel yeah. her presence. Same with the scene where they're at the morgue and they go to, Amir goes to like the personal wine collection that um, – Rob and Lori like have have collected and curated together like you sense the life they had but there's so little you know about it but the presence is still there so Mm -hmm. good so effective so efficient it's one like what few lines Mm -hmm. yep and so easy to miss if you're not paying attention yeah and like this is one of those films where every single line had meaning which is just the best. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't any throwaway lines in this film. Yeah, that's so true. And there isn't a lot of dialogue, honestly, for Mm-mm. considering the way that most movies operate, this is very sparse, this dialogue. But he uses it very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. 
like one of my <laughs> one of my favorite moments was you know after Amir tells the whole story about his his childhood and then his mom and all of that and like we see this emotional reaction from Rob for like half a second and then yeah. he follows it up with you should use stale bread for french toast and in that moment I was like oh my gosh that is so real because like you yeah. have this like heavy emotional thing that happens and you have this connection but then there's still the the french toast problem that is still there on the <laughs> counter and so you have to say something and it's just it's such yeah. a human reaction it's so beautiful but it's also so human at the same time because you don't know how to get out of a conversation yeah. like you don't know how to get out of the depths of all of that and like move on to the next thing it's it's the equivalent of the was it the chicken in the marriage story kitchen scene you know like oh <laughs> you just don't know what else to fixate on and there's all these emotions so you just talk about some random detail to try and like divert you know mm -hmm. and it tells us so yeah. much about rob too because like <laughs> he you know he's this like very like gruff guy but mm -hmm. he also knows food so well and he connects with people through food and so even mm -hmm. when his words fail he knows how to connect with you over something and so it's mm -hmm. just, it's also this like way to connect but also a way to get out of a conversation but also tells us about his personality in yeah. this one line it's great that's so true it's so true and same with the the scene where him and Amir are cooking together in yeah the kitchen which that scene is beautiful mm -hmm. just it, it feels so fluid and graceful and they're cooking and, and it feels so respectful and honoring as well like they are pouring their hearts into this meal that they are going to make for this man that is just like completely flung shit in his face you know and mm -hmm. the way he smells each of the herbs before he adds it it's just a beautiful scene, but it also, to your point, uh, gives us the sense of this presence of a previous life that, and a, this man that we don't know about, his past self that we don't have access to. Here's this bloodied, bearded, gruff yeah. man, but this is not who he always was. And we get to see this like shadow of who he used to be in that scene. And just yeah. the juxtaposition is phenomenal because that was my other question is like yo nick cage you had access to a bathroom multiple times over these days and you still haven't wiped the blood off your face but that's okay whatever we need it there for the you know full effect Magic but effect. like you know like grungy gross bearded bloody concussed it's fine making this incredibly intricate delicate yeah. meal that juxtaposition was just so intriguing to me and I could not take my eyes off the screen even though I had questions mm -hmm. it was fine because it was That's just so, so good yeah and and the the facial expressions that Amir has as he like yeah. watched this man work in his craft with such awe but and, and it's not just awe at Rob and his cooking but also the like way that this man is choosing to love on his father who has again just like completely disrespected him and threatened him and still he is choosing to pursue that man's heart in this way you just you see how young Amir is 
as the movie progresses. Like he is a child who is trying to process through something very difficult and doesn't have anywhere to turn and has honestly had to like put on this persona um, and hide so much of what he's experiencing. And he just, he looked younger and younger and, and to me as the movie went on and on, like the, the purity and the innocence of all that he was is more and more unveiled. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's one of those little things, those little transformations that you see. Cause when you first meet Amir and he pulls up in the Camaro and he's like this like <laughs> badass truffle seller, which, yeah. whoa, who knew that that was a thing? Who listens to classical music <laughs> yes. radio? It's just, it's so good. yellow Camaro. But like when you first meet him, he's like, he's gruff. He's, he's not a pig. Like every other word. You know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's just this like badass dude. But then like at the end, you see how, how tender and how, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, like young he is. And when he was cooking with Rob, I just kept thinking like, wow, this feels like, you know, somebody preparing like family dinner together. Like that's what it almost felt like that Rob was almost like a surrogate father in this movie to Amir, which Mm -hmm. is really weird, but it also really worked because the film didn't try and take us there. Like it just kind of felt like it happened naturally that these two guys were just able to come together and support one another and learn Mm -hmm. from one another in just a really organic way instead of it being this like very obvious like oh my father is the worst and you're older than me so I'm gonna look up to you it wasn't that but it just I don't know it just felt so natural and so beautiful yeah that's so true that's so true and what makes that also even more interesting is the way that the roles slightly reverse and in towards the end of the the movie when Mm -hmm. Rob finds out that the pig has died and it's Amir who has is the one who gives him the truth like I Rob saying I I would think that she's still alive if I didn't go looking for her and it's Amir who like sees truth and speaks it to him in love and says but she she wouldn't be and it's it's fascinating the way that their roles yeah like they they help each other and push each other to grow and process in ways that they they wouldn't without each other which is just this movie is just such a celebration of humans like shedding these like exteriors and these like these barriers and just finally letting their hearts be out there and the like connection that can happen and the the, like healing that can happen when that does happen even in tiny small ways you know this movie is such a celebration of that and it's so nuanced and kind like kind of not obvious in that way but it's all it's all there okay so can we talk about that moment when it's revealed that the pig died oh my gosh it was so good like obviously the acting is good the writing is good but what got me was the camera work Mm because like for Mm -hmm. I don't know what an hour plus we've had these really like static shots or these very like smooth moving shots and this is the first time when he when he learns that she has died and he drops to the floor that the camera shakes and it feels like the camera Mm -hmm. dropped so we dropped to our knees with Nick Cage as he's mourning this pig and I just I don't know that I've 
I don't know. Sometimes you see like a camera movement and you're like, whoa, that was effective. But man, I don't know that I've seen anything that was that effective in a while. It was just, it was so different than the rest of the film and it worked so well. And we we haven't seen that character express that much yet either, you know, like in a weird way, it was, it was tragic, but it was also cathartic for him to finally let that out. Like you're like, man, this is really not about a pig in case you didn't get it yet. (laughs) Viewers, this is not about a pig. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. And it, I mean, even, you know, earlier in the film when, you know, Amir is like, man, like why, why this pig? Like, I'll buy you a new pig. I'll take the hit for the season. And (laughs) Nick Cage shouts at him because I love her. You know, I just, everything has so much meaning to it in this film. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's so true. And that scene where he finds out that the pig has died and they're all in Darius's study together. Again, the filmmaking is so smart because we don't need to see what happens after that. It cuts to the next scene, you know? Yeah. Like there's a shot of them all kind of like, oh shit, like from behind. We don't really see their faces. And we're on to the next thing. And the movie just keeps it going. That's why it can be 90 minutes and so effective because we don't need to see the rest of that scene play out. We just, as a viewer, is like that's not – it's not what we need. We need to keep going. It's that scene has done its mm-hmm. job at that point. Yeah, yeah. The this film doesn't exploit the emotions, but it helps us sit mm. in them for as long as it's productive for us as a viewer, and then it knows when to move on. Yeah. So the timing of this film is really impressive because I feel like sometimes, you know, if a film is super efficient, sometimes it'll just like skip over things and might not mm-hmm. let you sit in the emotions, but this one is able to balance both the emotions and doing things efficiently, which is great. It's She's not hard. the norm. Fine line. Fine line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. One of the other scenes that kind of is, is similar in is this, that this conversation is reminding me a little bit of is when he's getting beat up in Edgar's, you know, mm-hmm. like underground, business that scene felt far more brutal than I expected it to because we don't see any of the violence that's happening to him we see him afterwards but we mostly are seeing the man um punch we don't we just we don't see the full extent of what's happening which just made it feel so much more brutal to imagine uh, the pain and the the beating that he's enduring than if we were to actually see it all unfold. The Cohen brothers are really good at doing the same thing. You know, like they they purposely have certain things out of the frame of the camera or off screen and the imagination is far worse than actually seeing it unfold. I'm curious how mm-hmm. that scene was for you. No, no, I had the the same thing and i i mean i love action movies i love like bloody gory like beat the hell out of people movies like i'm i'm not bothered with like violence in a film but man you're right like this was so brutal i i was like yeah. pushing myself back into my sofa like oh make it stop yeah. make it stop but i think it's because instead of being like a like a third party observer 
where you could see everything that was going on, we were in it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that like somewhere psychologically, it's almost like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is happening to me as opposed to like, oh, I'm an impartial observer on the edges of everything. And it just makes it the violence all the more brutal. And I also think because Robin didn't fight back. Yeah. I, I think that's the other too. part because his hands yep. stayed behind his back the entire time. And so like in my mind, I'm like, bro, yeah. fight back. Like what is wrong with you? Even though that's not the point. But I, I think the fact that he just took mm-hmm. it and was a human punching bag also made it all the more brutal. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I completely agree. Both the like POV shot that we have essentially, like we are Rob and we see this man on top of us punching yeah. with us green, Ooh. you know? Um, and then his, his, his utter lack of reaction just felt more tragic as well. You know, like he is purposely enduring this. Mm-hmm. And communicates again, so much about a character. Cause we still don't know his secret. We know that his name is Robin mm-hmm. Feld. I think it was. So yep. we know he was someone important, but we don't know anything else about him at this point. But the yeah. fact that he took a beating like that willingly says a lot about who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And also that he was known in this ring and circle of people um, yeah. because he has that line that he says, again, we don't really have all the details. We're kind of stringing it together in our minds. But he says to Amir right beforehand, like, if you if they know your name, uh, they'll bid higher. And so mm-hmm. he's got some infamy in this ring of people somehow. They know him. Before, (laughs) yep, they have some history. We don't know what it is, but uh, things are about to get weird. (laughs) Yep, and then we have like just like a flood of questions that are all unanswered. Yes, Um, can we also talk about the scene uh, with Derek? I believe his name is yeah, yeah, so good. You know, this happens like in the middle of the movie, and I'm just like, we still don't know what this movie is about yet at this point. And this is just one, like the second stop along the way. And so a not a lot is not really crystallized for us yet. And so I'm trying to figure out like, where does, what, where does this fit in with everything else? But the whole conversation that they have just somehow I think is fitting in with the themes of the wilderness, the city, um, Rob versus Amir and like the this like business minded kid and this like older dude and like this idea of selling your soul to make money in this capitalistic world that we're living in um it's really interestingly woven and kind of like under the radar in this movie um but I feel like there are so many moments where that is touched on or symbolically communicated and honestly, I'm still trying to put the pieces together in my brain again. Like I want to watch this movie because I think there's so much more meaning that's probably hidden beneath the surface to be uncovered like an onion, just like we did with Rob. Um, but that's one of those scenes. It's like this movie has a thesis and this is this conversation is communicating a lot of the like philosophical values and views that Rob carries and the filmmakers are also trying to communicate to us. How did you read that scene? Oh my gosh, I just loved it. Like I just I just wanted to sit in it for so long and there were so many lines in it. So, 
what I I loved that line that Rob says, they don't know you because you haven't shown them. And I, I, again, that's another one of those themes that, that runs throughout because it starts out with Edgar saying, you know, you are nothing because you don't have a name anymore. And so then for Rob to basically say like the opposite, you know, you haven't shown them who you are. So we don't know Mm -hmm. who you are. And I I think that that's just such an important line. Like that, I don't know, to me, that was just such a, a piece of wisdom, especially in our, you know, like social media, famous culture, this desire, like, I want my name to be known. I want to be this thing. And I'm only going to show this part of me, though, that really isn't me. But if that makes me famous, I'm willing to do it for my 15 minutes of fame. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so the, the culture. So I just love that Rob Mountain Man, you know, comes with such the opposite thing and going, yeah, I mean, who cares if you're not actually being you, if you're not actually creating from a point of truth and authenticity, then mm-hmm. what is the point? And I just mm-hmm. loved that. It's mm-hmm. so good. And so the opposite of everything we're taught these days. Ugh, so brilliant. So true. There's And there's another line he says that's something like, like the critic's the customers, like mm-hmm. all these people, the praise that you're looking for, like they aren't real, like they don't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like you're saying around like selling your soul to the masses who have no idea who you are and like are going to move on and their, their affections are fickle. Um, and he also like not only – kind of like essentially takes a pin to the balloon of this man's um, entire existence at this point, but then calls hit to him to his dreams that he once held of opening the pub, the English, I think it was like an English pub and like the specific details that he still remembers of this man's dreams and um, brings that back to him. And it's almost, it's almost like he's leading him back home to who he really is. Yeah in such a beautiful way and you see the way that that like affects Derek and like moves him deeply. Yeah. That scene is so beautiful. But the whole time I'm like what does this all mean in the context <laughs> of this movie? Like where are we going? I don't get it yet. I'm confused. Um yeah. But I think it I think the pieces fit together once the rest of the movie unfolds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much complexity. And I also love that it's it's made clear that Rob fired this guy after what was it like yeah. 2 weeks or something but but even though Rob fired him mm. he still remembered all of these details about this restaurateur yeah. and and spoke that value back into him you know like i feel like yeah. especially in like you know high cuisine and all of this like we're used to watching I don't know like Gordon Ramsay and like him like cussing out people and all of that Mm -hmm. so like this very like gruff like it has to be perfect and I'm going to be militant about it and you can feel like Rob has some of that but underneath that there's also this incredible empathy and this ability to actually see people and like truly Mm -hmm. see them and I don't know help them get into that position where they can actually be who they are so again, just this this random conversation when you're watching it actually reveals so, so, so much about this character who, 
mm-hmm. we still don't know the whole of by the end of the film. We still don't know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, but there's these, these glimmers and these pieces that we get to collect along the way. And this is one of those that like, as you've mentioned and laid out so eloquently, like points to his character and the way that he invests and cares for people. And we see some of that confirmed later on as well in the scene with Darius and cooking for him. Like there is this mm-hmm. tenderness and kindness in this man um, that goes beyond what we typically see in our day and age. Ugh, Rob. This movie. So good. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Is there anything else that we wanted to mention about this movie before we wrap up? Okay, I have, I think, two things. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll limit it to two. So uh, one is I love that this movie is centered on food and meals, and we see people actually eating. Because, like, one of the things that really bugs me <laughs> is that in, like, movies, and I think TV shows are probably more guilty of this than movies, is that you'll have scenes in a restaurant but nobody is actually eating. And that's just bothersome. So I like that in this movie, we actually see the people eating the food that they're supposed to eat. It's great. (laughs) That is so true. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very true. Especially main characters. Yes. You know, like the ones that the camera is focusing on. Mm-hmm. Or they're eating and it's like made to be like overly obnoxious and like playing to yeah. some kind of joke or something. You know what I mean? Like, but no, <laughs> we see, especially in the dinner scene with um, Darius, mm-hmm. they're full on chewing, documented. <laughs> they are. It's there. They are. They are. They are eating the food. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. So then, my my just second thing is okay. that. And this, again, it could be me. You might not have had questions about this, but I was so um, intrigued as to how Adam Arkin was the actor choice to play a character named Darius. It just felt like an odd choice to me. Adam Arkin did a phenomenal job. He did great. Like, great actor. Love him. Wonderful. He doesn't strike me as a Darius maybe that's just me but like when he popped up on screen as Darius I was like I have questions (laughs) how did we get here please tell me about this casting process I would like to know more I mean confession I had no idea what this man's name was until after the movie and I was reading reviews and summaries like he was Amir's father to me okay I don't remember I don't remember people saying his name or I probably missed it which happens a lot in movies. I don't I it I ha, I need to hear a character's name said at least two or three times before I'm like, okay, that's your name. That's this person's name. Registered. Mm-hmm. It's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> so I did not have this question until afterwards where I was like, oh, that's what the dad's name was. <laughs> Good to know. Now I can reference him when we talk about the movie. <laughs> not just Amir's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that's fair. Yeah. I just I just had questions. He did a good job, but you're right. Oh, he did so well. <laughs> like, oh, he was phenomenal. But I just, 
I just had questions, but yes. it might also just be me. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. This was our review and discussion of the film Pig. You can find it available to rent on Amazon Prime. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about the film Pig. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the new thriller film, My Son. We hope you all have an amazing week and we'll see you next week. <laughs>